if you can't stand showing up on video, you cannot be on TikTok, like plain and simple. Video is the name of the game. Whereas maybe you're like, okay, I'll go on Instagram so that I can maybe create more graphics, write a little bit more, and occasionally play with it. Hi, Philip here. Welcome back to Careers 2.0. Today I'm speaking with Amber Figlo. She has over 10 years experience in being a content director for herself and for others. We talked about her favorite platform, why she wanted to be like Gary Vee, and how to build a successful career working for yourself and with others. Enjoy. I was thinking how to start, and I think I think I want to I want to dramatize the situation a little bit, um, because a lot of people that listen to our Careers 2.0 podcast and people that come on as as my guests, uh, we all sort of talk about solopreneurship, uh, you know, and and race to freedom, and and meanwhile, you have not so long ago gave up on like I think 10k uh, monthly revenue from your membership, and you went on to work for essentially full-time job let's call it for a creator Uh, and you're still you're still in the creative economy right you're you're still doing using creativity doing what you love but you're not on your own so i'm wondering what what didn't work for you so well that we are chasing clearly yeah absolutely yeah so just to give everybody some context i first started this business as a social media agency and it was one of those things i thought i wanted to be gary v who wouldn't Exactly. And I was like, I'm going to have a big company. And so I started to grow that agency and I started to realize that is not what I wanted. And that's okay. There's There are plenty of agencies out there. For me though, I was like, I did not like the overwhelm. I did not like the constant pressure to always be on um, mm-hmm. until I already know I have ADHD. So my energy levels, I could not perform the same all the time. So there was something about that day in and day out. And same with my membership, why I gave it up. I was like, as much as I loved doing it, I loved being in content creation. I loved helping other people with content creation just based on my personal goals, my personal values, what I've got going on in my personal life. It just didn't work for me. And that's okay. And knowing when to pivot and let it all go. And then, yeah, over the last year, I basically got rid of all of my clients except for one. Um, so became the content director for another person in the creator space, uh, marketing creation space, and decided to pump all of my efforts into being a content director for that brand. Uh, meanwhile, having my backend products and brand deals and speaking events, leaning more into the personal side of stuff. That's where I really have found that I thrive is creating the free content that everybody loves, selling a couple of things on the back end, but really just diving deep into being a content director, which has been so much fun, a little bit liberating, especially, you know, as solo entrepreneurs and as small business owners, it's sometimes hard to let go of certain things, but know what's best for you. So yeah, that's kind of the background and the gist of it. I wonder what makes this I would call it employment, although it may be not the right word, yeah. but w- w- what makes this employment better and suiting your lifestyle and your your, your personal challenges that, that others may not? Absolutely. And so for me, it was like rather than having to speak to a bunch of different clients. So at any given time, I'd have between five and 10 clients uh, as a content strategist. And it was one of those things I could feel myself spreading thin. There is something to be said about dialing into one brand. Um, especially as I have a small team, it's me, a content manager, and sometimes 
some contractors. So I would spread myself so thin and deliver, you know, I, I always delivered a great service, but I felt like I wasn't giving it my all. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the capacity. So being able to be a content director for just one brand, I am able to flourish in that role, do the things that I want to do, try new strategies, um, you know, and the good thing about she's a great client to have in the in the in the aspect that she kind of lets me do what I want to do. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we have some guidelines, but she is really allowing me to creatively flourish as well. And that's where we mm-hmm. get the best results. Um, so there's something advantageous about that uh, that currently just works for my season of life. As I grow my personal brand, it allows me the stability and creativity to focus on just one other one. Um, can you tell me what does your role as a content director uh, entails? Uh, it, it sounds very managerial, but are you hands-on uh, a lot? Yes. So essentially the way that the company is set up um, as content director, I'm managing basically all the content we put out. So it goes everything from you know, making sure that blog posts are getting out, managing on certain times, managing some contractors in the content creation process. If we bring in a designer, if we bring in a writer, um, you know, making sure that where I step in and basically my strengths are in systems. So Mm -hmm. making sure that that blog post gets repurposed properly across channels, making sure our SEO looks good, making sure that, you know, we're growing on TikTok and making sure we have content going on on Instagram and potentially, you know, different goals next year, we want to try YouTube because that's something I've been doing in my own personal brand. So it's really pushing the business forward through this organic form of content and making sure I'm looking at it holistically, like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're making money. Like, is it helping move the needle forward? Or, you know, for instance, like we tried Lemon 8. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's like the TikTok uh, offshoot app. Mm -hmm. Uh, It hasn't picked up speed and it's like, okay, maybe we need to not focus on that one so much right now so that kind of thing you try to cover it all uh, is it is it like when i talk with creators usually the advice is focus on one right so do one thing and do it really really well and then maybe offshoot on to, to into the other ones um is having a content director it's sort of the taking that step so now i'm gonna give it to you so you can cover it all Correct. Yeah. So what I always, the advice I always give to people is, yes, yeah, start with that one. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, especially when we start our businesses, we are very limited on time and you've got to do one thing and do it well. I say, try that for at least a year. Don't even try and worry about showing up at least strategically on multiple platforms or at least using like, let's say you love TikTok, use those TikToks on Reels, whatever. Don't try and come up with separate strategies. And then as you grow, you cannot show up on all pl- platforms without help clean and simple. Um, you know, it's just the way of the world. And if you think you can do it, you're going to be burnt out real fast. So yes, that's the kind of approach that I take. And luckily her business has grown and she has the capabilities of bringing on a content director so that I can help her show up in all areas. And we, even though I'm director, we still outsource a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and edit every single video. Um, she's still very hands-on in the content creation process because that's, she loves doing it too. So just knowing that aren't small you can grow and build and she's in year six of her business and you're like 30 of her entire career so it's taken her a while to get there same with my business um you know i show up on a couple of platforms i'm not on all of them it's just impossible and i have a content manager too so yeah definitely start small which when when you're choosing the platform to start with um i hear sort of opposite advice one is go where your clients are 
sounds kind of obvious. But the other one is clients are sort of everywhere. Do the one that you enjoy the most and they will they will flock to you. They will come to you. Which camp are you in? So for me, um, I lean a little bit heavier in the enjoyment um, because like you said, clients are everywhere. Yes. Um, you also have to realize you have to play into your strengths. Otherwise, you're going to A, burn out or you're just not going to want to do it. And it is so important with social media, content creation, whatever this looks like for you. If you're not showing up consistently, consistently, you're not going to be able to perform and grow. It's just the name of the game. And there's so much that goes into that, that kind of buzzword consistency. Mm-hmm. But I say you need to lean into your strengths and what you love. If you can't stand showing up on video, you cannot be on TikTok, like plain and simple. Video is the name of the game. Whereas maybe you're like, okay, I'll go on Instagram so that I can maybe create more graphics, write a little bit more, and occasionally play with video, um, lean into Instagram. But that's always, I come at it from a different perspective. You will find clients anywhere, yes, but lean into what you like doing best. And what about you then? Because your uh, Instagram has always seemed like a main platform for you, but your TikTok is even bigger, like three times bigger, I think, than your your, your own your own Instagram account. And I wonder... First of all, about your preference, and second, secondly, about the business, of course, because from what I hear, TikTok does not necessarily drive the same amount of business. So yes, my approach, uh, just a quick backstory, this business, A Creative Co., started off as an Instagram experiment. So I started a brand new account. Um, I was freelancing at the time, working in marketing, and I was like, I don't know which way I want to go with things. Uh, didn't know I wanted to start this business. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start an Instagram account from scratch see how far I can get in 30 days. And I want to report my findings back to everybody, trying new strategies, trying new things. And in those 30 days, I grew 500 followers, which I was so proud of at the time. Anybody should be proud of that. But each day I would give people insight. Here's what I tried. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. I lost seven followers today. So yes, my heart and soul has always been Instagram. I definitely come from that generation of marketers. Um, But you have to understand that yes, TikTok, even though it's a much bigger audience for me, I don't love it as much as I love Instagram. I Mm -hmm. know there are plenty of people out there that grow their communities on TikTok. My community is on Instagram. I use TikTok solely for brand awareness. Um, I don't expect anything from it. It is over the pandemic. It was a big lead generation for Mm -hmm. me um, in my business. Now, the only lead generation I get is through my freebies. It does kind of help since I have the numbers. Um, you know, over on TikTok, when I promote a freebie, I do get an influx of leads there, but actually like tracking them for dollars, it, I convert way higher on Instagram. I've built my community on Instagram, that kind of thing. So yeah, I I think it's still advantageous for me to be on both, but Instagram is my, my heart and soul. (laughs) And, and I saw you mentioned one of your first posts, actually, that you created that brand in like 30 minutes and it was, it was a very quick shoot. And I, and I wonder if you were to do it again, um, what are some parts of the brand that you're creating that you should nail at the very beginning and what you can experiment and test and, and change in the future? Absolutely. I think the most important part is messaging, like really dialing in on that ideal client. Because at first, I think that's what I didn't have locked down as I was like, I don't know who I want to be, who I want to talk to. And, you know, of course, it was a big experiment for me, but that's what I always try and tell business owners first, because If you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody and you really got to nail down. You don't have to niche and know everything about them, but there's a big difference in my ideal client avatar. I don't speak to brand, brand new business owners who don't even have an LLC. I typically talk to the business owners that 
have a little experience, maybe a freelance have some experience in the industry, at least maybe they're year one to four in their business, but they have a little bit, um, you know, whereas if somebody doesn't have the foundations of a business yet, they don't have experience in the industry, they might not be my people and that's okay. And I just, I know who I need to talk to and, and that's who I drive all my content to. I also don't talk to super, super high level business. So I don't talk to the Gary V's. Gary V already knows what I'm talking about. Um, so I don't necessarily bring in value to him. Um, but yeah, there's solo entrepreneurs specifically in the creative space. That allows me to create better content. So that's kind of what I always tell people. You also say that you bridge the gap between creativity and being analytical. I really like that, especially I think perfect combination for being a content director. Um, being analytical, especially in marketing efforts, even though I love marketing, was never my strong suit. And I think it's because of the amount of KPIs and numbers that you can potentially look at. So if we're talking with small business owners, I always I always wonder, um, where do you look at which KPIs are the main ones, the most important ones, especially at the beginning, right? When you cannot track everything, every conversion, every click. But at the very beginning, do you go for the big views and uh, exposure? Or you, from the beginning, try to focus on sales and down the funnel? Yeah. So for me, it's going to, first of all, depend on the business. Let's say you're serving clients. So you are capped out on the amount of time you have. So you don't need to focus on these big viral videos. You need to focus more on conversions. Okay. Maybe you have an audience of 100 people on Instagram and everybody's like, I want to have a thousand. I want to have to focus on those 100 people that you do have, figure out how to convert five of them. Now you're booked full, you know, so approaching it in that way, you can't serve more than like five to 10 by yourself, whether you're a coach, a photographer, whatever that looks like for you. So if you're more client service focused, I say focus on sales and conversions. Um, whereas if you are more digital products, um, pro actual physical products too, you do need to focus a little bit more on how many eyeballs are you getting on your profile, whether that's through accounts reached whether that's through likes, views, things like that, because you do need the numbers in order to convert because tend to have a lower um, ticket item. So it's like, if you're only selling something for 20 bucks, you need some more eyeballs on it. You need more people to see it. Whereas if you're selling a $2,000 service, you only need five people, that kind of thing. I think I remember seeing in, in one of your older posts that you started offering video editing services, correct me if I'm wrong, and they were as low as $5 for like five, a 30 second video. And yep. uh, I, I know you probably wouldn't offer it these days, right? Never again. Nope. Yeah, not. right. But I, I wonder, I just wonder what was the um, the mindset and the approach that you took then that you now learned and evolved and what would you do now instead in your yeah, situation? Absolutely. So for me, I have played around with so many things. I've offered to do free strategies to ho in hopes of booking a client. So for me, it was a lead generation tool. So yes, it was ridiculous that I offered it for $5, but it was $5 and not zero. Um, so for me, the whole quote unquote tactic behind it was I wanted to get people in my funnel. I wanted to see, or I wanted to show people what I was capable of in hopes that they would book me later on. So it was a value add. Um, when I also added a dollar amount to it because typically people don't take action unless there's a dollar amount assigned to it. So you can give away a free strategy. You can edit a video for free. People have done the same for me. And I typically don't always go through with those people, but I'm like, oh, I paid for this. I need to use it. I need to invest some more time, energy, effort, that kind of thing. The same holds true today. Um, you know, let's say I might discount a product, discount a service, or 
add something else in. It's a it's a value add. It's a way of mm-hmm. lead generation. So for instance, now when I promote my course, instead of sometimes I'll do like, oh, $100 off in the first 48 hours of a launch. Or sometimes it's, hey, you get this extra freebie. You get this bonus in order to get that influx um, that I am kind of looking for. But yeah, that's kind of the way I approach it now. Again, I wouldn't do $5 video editing, but you know, I, I don't mind giving away a free template now yeah. just to get people on my email list or something like that. Um, let's talk then about your products because right now you dial down, you call them there on your back end sort of, right? Um, so you have the uh, Airtable thing, content calendar, it was, you have paid newsletter. Yes. And this is something that I would like to stop on for a while longer because um, the question that I immediately have is there are so many newsletters. Why would I pay for yours? And of course, I know Substacks and, and, and whatnot, but especially in the creator economy space, uh, I wonder where is the business in that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So I actually kind of flushed through um, some ideas that I had. And again, I always thought, I'm like, nobody's going to pay for a newsletter. Here is what I basically, you kind of touched on it earlier. I got rid of my membership. Um, I hated the day in, day out, managing a Facebook group, um, having to show up live every week, creating lessons every month. It was so much. Like It was a lot of effort. And I also didn't I've recently noticed that a lot of people, especially in the creator economy, were overwhelmed. We don't need a membership full of a hundred lessons. We never get through all of them. Mm-hmm. So my whole idea behind the paid newsletter is I'm taking the the things that you need that I would have put in a membership and just delivering them via email in your inbox every week. Get the snapshot, move on with your day. Um, so the whole point is, yeah, it's like kind of like any other membership, but delivered in a format that you can digest and implement in 30 minutes to an hour every single week rather than, oh, I got to show up for office hours. I got to watch this 50-minute lesson. I got to jump in the Facebook group to find the value that you'd find in a traditional membership. I just kind of approached it a different way. And I don't see a lot of people doing it. So I think there's a shock factor to it as well. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Um, Another thing that I noticed is that a lot of products that you work with are available only through a wait list. And that's is it just the sort of FOMO effect type of thing or there is something more to it? Nope. It is solely a, well, there's a little bit of strategy behind it, but there is the the products that you can purchase right now is either you sign up for my paid newsletter or you get my template. Mm-hmm. The other two is a content starter kit and my course is about to go on a waitlist model as well. So the idea behind a waitlist is it allows me, again, this just kind of goes back into my lifestyle and how I like to approach things. I have mm-hmm. those lower ticket products. You can grab something for me for pretty cheap, implement, access it right away. Some of those higher ticket items, it is a way for me to sell with a bit of ethical scarcity. Um, So it creates a demand of like doors open, doors close, but it also gives me the freedom and flexibility to adjust that product in between campaigns or in between the doors Mm -hmm. being open. Because of my industry and niche, things need to be updated kind of frequently. So it gives me both the freedom and it also allows me to ethically sell without like bro marketing tactics. My doors are going to close. It's not like this weird thing where I'm like, I'm going to say they close, but they don't actually close. No, I'm actually closing the doors so that I can give my attention to the people that are inside that program and then I can develop it and make it better. And then again, take a break from it for me uh, because launches and campaigns take a lot of energy. And I'm like, I want to close those doors, make sure I have the time and capacity to deliver, um, maybe increase the price, maybe decrease the price, whatever that looks like. So yeah. You mentioned ethically twice there. 
So I want to ask you the other way around. I want to ask you if there are some specific unethical tactics that you find unethical that are like a common practice that you see around all the time. Yeah. So specifically that one there that I just mentioned of um, people say they're closing the doors or they say there's going to be a price increase and then don't do it um, to build that false sense of scarcity. And I actually do it. And it's when done correctly, it is ethical. And there's a lot of boundaries that are broken in marketing. Sometimes you see them on ads, get this today for $7. It'll never be $7 again. And then you get delivered that ad two weeks from now, that kind of thing. So those, I lean into like those kind of, um, again, at least here in the US, they're called like bro marketing tactics. Um, So you just have to be careful of allowing people to make a buying decision in a proper amount of time, giving them the information they need without forcing them to buy from you. That's kind of my approach with it. Do you see your lower priced um, lower priced products as an entry to the bigger priced course? Is it sort of a, directly a funnel for you still? Yes, it is. And the way that I approach it, though, is my funnel is a lot longer than a lot of other entrepreneurs because those lower ticket items, those lower priced products mm-hmm. tend to be a little bit more beginner, a little bit more starter, whereas my course, it needs to be for, you know, um, a small business owner who's been doing content for at least a year or two, maybe they're thinking about having a team, that kind of thing. So my funnel can sometimes they could buy a low end product and they don't buy the next thing Mm -hmm. for another year or two. And I'm okay with that. I'm in it for the longevity. Whereas some people like to have their funnel like, okay, they purchased this $7 product and a month later they need to purchase my $49 product. And another month later they need to buy my course. I approach it a little differently, but yes, those are all um, in the in-between. I like people to consume my free content and become a part of my community. And that's where I, kind of my funnel leads. That was actually my, my next question. So how do you keep people interested over the long period of time? Is Do you rely solely on your social media free content or actually email newsletter and email activation is where uh, where, where the strength of it lies? Yeah, I, I would say it's both because the way that I approach it is, yes, I'm always nurturing them in email like I do like uh-huh. to... I'm. I wouldn't say I'm the most active at email, but I do like to provide tons of value to my email list. Um, You gave me your email. I want to give something back to you. Um, But then it's also, I give away so much free content on YouTube. I'll push that out to them as an email um, in case they didn't see it. But my whole thing is I really encourage community, especially on Instagram. Um, So I really want them to come over there and have conversations with me. Because when I go to launch something and maybe it's time for them to buy my course, I really talk to them. I actually talk mm-hmm. to people in DMs to sell. And that's kind of like one of my advantages is I'm making sure I'm building a relationship with them. Even though I have an online business, my people are my people. And so when I launch something new or offer something new, I tend to get a lot of repeat customers. And even those new customers that like I have in my funnel, they're like, oh my God, this sounds so amazing. I can't do it now, but I definitely want to do it next time. That kind of thing. Your people are your people. I love that. <laughs> I like <laughs> they it very are. much. All right. Um, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned YouTube, and uh, if, I mean you're here to talk about your systems. I mean that's your that's your thing. And I know that recently you have uh, switched a little bit to make to be able to create a month long month worth of YouTube content in like a day or 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 a few. So yeah. I I want all the details. I want to know how yes. that, how is it even possible. It's actually really funny because. Today is a YouTube recording day because I also did this podcast. I'm like, my hair and makeup's done. I got to be on camera anyways. So this morning I recorded a ton of intros. Um, you know, I recorded a lot of the things where I have to talk to camera. 
after I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go wrap it all up, um, you know, do some B-roll, do some screen recordings, things like that. But the way that I approach it, I have a whole system in Airtable. And again, this is, I love Airtable. You can do this in Asana. You can do this in Trello. Whatever your project management system of choice is, you can do this. You can do it in your iPhone notes app for all I care. Um, but basically the way I approach it is like, for instance, the scripts, and I use script loosely. I tend to more do an outline there versus like reading a teleprompter. I make sure I research and create those at least a week in advance um, so that on recording day, I'm focused on recording. I have notes in there. I'm like, hey, I need this B-roll shot, that kind of thing. So that when I, this is what works best for my brain, once I'm in recording mode, once I'm in filming mode, I get to stay there. Um, Because what happens is when you switch tasks, especially with content creation, you can tend to lose a bit of the creativity. You might have to tr- like really motivate yourself. Like, I got to get up. I got to record. I got to go do this. But once you are in that mode, it's so much easier to stay in that flow. And that's why I focus solely on recording on one day. And then I pass it off to my content manager. She edits. And we have a full workflow afterwards. We know we're editing on this day. We know we're repurposing on this day. Captions, edits, these things are due this day to make sure that I have a system and approach. I don't. That's how you cannot maintain consistency because there is so much that goes on. Um, so that's my basic approach. Let me know if we have more questions about it. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I could ask you about every single thing, 20 different questions. I don't know if people <laughs> would course. stick around to, to listen for, for that. I, I, for example, I saw I saw that one of your um, elements of your gear, I think, is like a stand with multiple arms that uh, you hold your laptop and your camera and your microphone and everything is on it. And I want an Amazon link immediately. I want to know. Because I think especially for someone who like records at home or, or something like that, having a studio on a stick, basically, it's a fantastic idea. Do you have any any uh, tips like that for, for beginners that uh, that allow you to make this process sort of smooth so you don't have to spend, for example, an hour setting up your studio? Yes, absolutely. So again, that also leads into the batching component. Of mm-hmm. You save so much time once your equipment's set up, just knock it all out. Because even if you have a small setup, my setup is not that crazy. Yes, I have that studio on an arm. I call it my content creation station. It holds my laptop. Like you said, it holds my microphone, holds my camera, holds a light, um, and I can wheel it around wherever. So that is very good. Um, but even if you don't have all that equipment, if you're just using an iPhone on a tripod, maybe an external mic of some sort, having that either set up all the time in a way that you can use it is so effective because there are, you don't want a barrier to entry when it mm-hmm. comes to creating this content. So either leaving it up on a stand or batch recording, whatever works for you, use your equipment one time a month, one time a week, <laughs> and just get it done. And I know it's so hard, but once you get in the process, um, you know it is so much easier to just knock it out and maintain that consistency. So the, and on, on the other aspect too, a question that I get from business owners, they're like, I don't have the equipment to go do YouTube. I don't have the equipment to go do TikTok. Yes, you do. Exactly. <laughs> I know. That's what I always like to tell people. I was like, maximize the tools that you have. You won't believe how much you can do with just a phone. Um, and you know, you don't need the fancy software. You don't need the fancy stuff. Again, even I'm using very basic equipment to get my job done. And this is my job, you know? So it's one of those things. Don't let those things hold you back. You got to get started kind of thing. Okay. I, I want to touch upon a strategy, content strategy here for a second, because that made me think like we're talking cameras, of course, we're talking uh, recording mostly ourselves, right? Being in front of camera. 
Um, a lot of people are maybe not super comfortable with that, but I also see a lot of successful creators, even content that you create, uh, a lot of it is mostly B-roll with text that is, you know, appearing on, on the screen or read caption and that's all. Yeah. And I wonder, um, what is your experience? What works best? And if you can basically make anything work great, if the quality is there or some specific type performs much better. Yeah. So for me, I, again, have the privilege of having a team behind me. So I do a little bit of all of it. Um, my talking head content, so similar to this, you're talking to a camera performs really, really well on Instagram. And is it the most viral video? No, but it is the one that converts highest for me or gets the most engagement in the comment section. So again, mm -hmm. we're not just always looking for virality. Um, so that's one thing I want to let people know. Uh, you can find sec success in a video or in content creation um, without going viral. So that's number one. Number two, the thing you want to think about, you can also lean into any of these different things. So I like to do a bunch of different stuff just because it's fun and I find creativity in it. There are so many content creators out there that only use B-roll with text on the screen mm -hmm. and are so successful with it. There are some people that only post their podcast. It's like a video of them on top, a video of their guests on the bottom, and that's their entire content strategy. So you can just dive into one thing and dial down. If you're just starting out in video, if you're just starting out on Instagram, you're going to need to try a bunch of different things to first of all, see what you like, see what resonates with your audience and see what's most successful. So I can't give people a blanket template of like, this is definitely going to work for you. Mm -hmm. I promise you it might not. What works for me isn't going to work for you. So you've got to test everything, but then yes, you can niche and funnel down. So for me, uh, to give a prime example, one thing that I do not do, I can't do like a getting ready with me video. I will never do a oh. vlog on YouTube. Like it does not work for me. Um, that vlog style content I've tried. Sometimes I'll do fun little things on TikTok here and there, but an entire vlog on YouTube is not going to work. I'm more tutorial based, more let me give you some advice, that kind of thing. Close. Playing into my strengths here and, and you know, that kind of thing. I would like to see you record 30 days of vlogs in one sitting, in one day. <laughs> my God, couldn't do it. And see, that's the other thing and why my approach to content batching does work. I don't think it would work for the typical YouTube creator. Um, I'm more of an education-based YouTube creator, whereas yeah, some of them will vlog for a whole month and that's one video. And I'm like, absolutely not. I can't do that. <laughs> and, but from a small business owner's perspective. Um, leaning more into these educational how-tos, informational style videos, you can't get them batched in, in all in one day. What is the balance between the educational part and the personal part? Like how much personality do you think you have to show in order to well build trust? That's the most important thing, right, in, in business. So for me, I am actually in a season where I'm leaning more into the personality. Mm -hmm. I'm actually currently in behind the scenes, I'm going through a rebrand where I'm going to shift heavily into the personal content. And this is going to, there's two factors here. You have to understand what your audience wants. Yes, number one, uh, people buy from people. So you do have to inject at least a little bit of personality. Got to show your face on occasion. Got to tell your story, at least bare minimum. Um, but then there's people like me who I'm really starting to lean into the vulnerability side of running a small business and mm -hmm. giving the problems along with the successes. Um, you know, I like to curse a lot. Uh, so I'm letting my personality shine. This is how I talk in real life. That's how I'm going to post on Instagram. Um, you know, so I lean a lot heavier into that. Now, that doesn't mean you need to. Um, you've got to strike the balance of what feels good to you. But recently, the, the content for me that's been resonating most with people is when I inject my personality 
while also providing value. So what this looks like, I recently did a post, one of my best performing posts for last week. I talked about how I have two dogs named Jax. So I talk yeah, I about this story. You saw that one, yes. So I tell a story about my personal life, but bring it back into why it matters. For business. business. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that I think is the most powerful is if you can mix the two. Yes, I thought that was a copywriting masterclass, basically. Absolutely. You sell how, that. To, <laughs> how to <laughs> how to turn it. your your personal dog story into into a business lesson. It was brilliant, really. Thank you so much. I I wonder, did you learn copywriting? Because like we're talking business owners, right? And they have uh, their own skill that they're selling or their service that they're providing. But copywriting, video making, all of that is sort of different level for them, completely different, different world. How would you approach it? Uh, courses, books, step by step, or just go and do and see what works? For me, and this is like a very unpopular opinion, you need to get in the weeds and you need to do it. Um, You're not going to, I go back, it's even funny, this is my industry and I've learned copywriting. I've learned practical, uh, strategic copywriting things throughout my career, throughout my education. The most powerful thing you can do is just start doing it. Same with video editing. It goes for anything because I look back now, even some of my videos from like a year or two ago, like, oh my God, that's so cringy. Why would I say that? Uh, It doesn't make sense to Amber nowadays um, because I put the practice in. Yes, you can go learn some things, go to YouTube University, like look some things up. When it comes to copywriting, I tell people, just talk like how you talk in real life and keep it simple. No need to overcomplicate things. And, um, you know, just start that way. Same thing with video editing. You don't need to learn Adobe Premiere Pro. Find something on your phone that works just great until you master that and then you can move into the next thing. Um, So you're going to be a beginner at all of this stuff, especially when you first start as a business owner. I learn something new every day and this has been my career for the past 10 years. So you just got to kind of start small. I I wonder if the system that you work in as a solo creator and as a part of a team are they like massively different uh the, the things that you outsource the software maybe even that you use that some is collaborative and some is not uh and where are the biggest sort of hurdles in in teamwork where actually a single person can do it faster on, on their own yeah so for me right now both as a content director and in my own business i have multiple different software i have to maintain um, vast majority of it starts in like an Asana Airtable project management type of software. You develop the content in Canva, in Adobe, so many different places. Then you use like a scheduling tool. Then you use a monitoring tool, all these different things. Whereas if you're a solo entrepreneur, you can do almost everything in Canva. You can plan, you can create, you can schedule from there. Whereas the bigger you grow, as you scale, you need to bring in certain software like TubeBuddy. Um, you know, helps me with the SEO versions of like my YouTube content and really researching. You don't need that in the beginning. You can just like dive in. You can like, I know what my content uh, needs to look like. I know who I'm talking to. Whereas now I have to be a little bit more strategic in my approach, uh, that kind of thing. So yes, even when it comes to content creation, there is something that I miss. The grass is always greener about when I was doing that experimentation with that Instagram account, I would log in each day, figure out something to post each day and move on. Mm -hmm. There's still something to be said for that. As much as I love batching and systems and strategy, blah, blah, blah. The newer business owner can execute a reel so quickly. Just record it, post it, move on. Um, Especially in the beginning of their journey. I think there's a time and place for both. But yeah, I think that's where it's going to be a big difference. 
let's uh, let's touch upon YouTube a little bit. So you're going there in order for your business to have some more SEO-based content, more more long-term and long-form, uh, or is there just exploration and, and education in it? A little bit of both. So over the last year, I actually, at the end of 2022, I made the decision to move my sole focus to YouTube. Yes, mm-hmm. obviously, I still love Instagram, still love TikTok. But the way I approach content strategy is I personally have a strategy called the hero content strategy, which is, again, a very similar teaching of Gary Vee, where you start with a big piece of content and you break it down into a bunch of small pieces. Whereas before I was like, okay, I'm going to start on Instagram or start on TikTok and maybe repurpose this down the road. But for me, I wanted YouTube, not only do I want to be longer term, again, yes, there's benefits, SEO, discoverability, YouTube is technically a search engine of its own. So some of my videos from two years ago still perform so well. Um, you know, so there's that aspect. There's an aspect that I do eventually 10 years down the line, my big career plans, I'd love to be a thought leader. So having this backlog of long form content where I'm publicly speaking is a great portfolio builder, helps build my career. And then again, from a strategy perspective, I can take that YouTube video, convert it into a newsletter, convert it into a blog post. I can pull captions. I can pull clips. And from a strategy and systems perspective, it saves me time and it's efficient. Um, And it allows me to continuously repeat a message to my audience on different platforms in the way they want to consume content. So those were the big three for me. Um, I'm not on YouTube to get ad money. That will never be a goal of mine. If I make some money, great, cool. Um, whereas a lot of people jump into YouTube to yeah. make money. And for me, I'm like, it's not the end goal for me. Where do you drive people then from your YouTube videos? Is it uh, to your paid products instantly or free newsletter? It, it, it's going to vary for the YouTube video. It depends on the season I'm in. If I have a campaign coming up. And the mm-hmm. thing with YouTube, that a lot of people need to understand is that, again, it doesn't have as short of a shelf life as other social media content. You can, it's similar to Pinterest. You can have things discovered years down the line. So I always like to point back to, most of the time it points back to an email list because that email list is always gonna be with me. That product might go away, that service offering might go away, that freebie might go away, but trying to point them back to some form of a newsletter, um, some form of an email list, capturing that lead is the most important and or just prompting them to subscribe to YouTube so that they stay in there, they see more of my stuff. There are times though that I will say, buy this product, like hit it in the link below and that's fine and I'll make some conversions there. But again, whereas like a beauty influencer, they want to drive traffic. For me, it's more so bring you into my community um, and stay with me for the long term. That's kind of my goal and what I look for. Uh, You mentioned repurposing and I wonder how to avoid a trap uh, of just reposting. So repurposing is, you know, making content uh, different for a specific platform to reach a specific customer. But a lot of people just copy, uh, you know, copy paste the text or just cut snippets and post uh, to to different platforms. Uh, And and that doesn't provide additional value. And if the audience is the same, they just see repeatedly the same things. Um, Is there something to be said for proper repurposing and how to do it? Yeah. So the whole idea of copy paste when you get started on your repurposing journey, that's better than nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So I approach it a little bit differently than some people that they're like, you have to make everything completely different. And I'm like, just change one or two things um, because my approach and here again, a very unpopular opinion. I like to um, really go against the status quo with my marketers here. I actually 
when people are like, what if my audience is different? Um, so you've seen on my TikTok, I have 175,000 followers. Some have converted over to Instagram, yes. But most of the time, those people that follow me platform to platform to platform are my super fans. And they don't mm-hmm. mind seeing my content over and over again, even if it's a little different or even if it's same. But there, here's the higher likelihood that a lot of people don't understand is, especially when you get a bigger audience, it is very unlikely that they've seen that piece of content on both platforms because, you know, because of algorithms, because of engagement rates. So they might have seen it. They might be more proactive with my profile on Instagram. So they saw it on Instagram. If they go to TikTok, they may or may not see it. And those algorithms work completely differently too. For me, I don't mind posting the same clip. I might change the text on the screen. I might adjust the caption. I want to have more hashtags on Instagram. I'm going to have less hashtags on TikTok. So making small adjustments is better than nothing. Um, But then there's times where I'll do a two-minute TikTok. I can't put that on shorts to repurpose differently. Um, So that's my approach and it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And some people love watching my YouTube video on YouTube and some people will go to my newsletter, find the YouTube video, maybe watch a clip from the YouTube video, maybe watch a short, something like that. So let people make the decision. That's kind of what I say. Let people decide. And if they really are sick of you, they're going to follow you and buy. They're not part of your community kind of thing. <laughs> they, won't, they probably won't become your customer anyway, right? So what's, what's the point? Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's do my favorite uh, part of the show, which is a quick fire round. You know how it goes. Short answers. Short, you're gonna, you can have a thing, but short answers, please. Uh, okay. Otherwise, you're going to cut you out. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you a team player or lone wolf? Team player. Take risks or carefully calculate? Carefully calculate. Mobile or desktop? Desktop. Who inspires you most? Writers. I like reading. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? I'd like to own a coffee shop. What is an underappreciated business tool that you couldn't live without? Airtable. I knew it's coming. I know. (laughs) What's your productivity life hack? And you cannot say Airtable. Doro technique, and I can explain it unless we want to keep it short. <laughs> let's let's come back to it in a sec. Uh, I have last one in in this round. What does success mean to you? Living a life on my own terms with a business that fits in with it. Got it. So let's go back first to uh, Pomodoro technique. Uh, why does it work so well for you? So for me, it allows. Um, if you're not familiar with Pom- Pomodoro, you do a 25 minute sprint of work on focused on one task. So one task only, 25 minutes, you can set up a timer. After the 25 minute task, you take a five minute break. Um, You do this about four or five times until you've gone through a good chunk of your to-do list. But by focusing on one task and one task alone, um, you tend to do higher, it's gonna be higher productivity. You're gonna produce better work. But if you say to yourself, I only have 25 minutes to clear my inbox, you're gonna clear it. Whereas if you just sit down and try and clear your inbox, it's going to take you an hour. Um, So setting those time limits is super important, but then it also allows me to build in rest throughout my day. Um, Once you get through that sprint of four or five of those, you take a longer break, 20 minutes, get a snack, do this. Um, But it effectively gets me through my to-do list while playing nice with my ADHD and allowing me to do deep focus work at the same time. That's awesome. I tried it. It wasn't for me. I tried... uh... I tried time blocking. Uh, it worked great for two yeah. days, and that's it. <laughs> I, th- I think I've got. A, I think I have a problem. <laughs> but uh, <It's> okay. okay. <laughs> um, Airtable. Then we we mentioned Airtable a couple times, and uh, 
And I'm an ocean type of guy. So I wonder if you want to fight, we can fight. But, but I wonder why Airtable? What's, what's in Airtable? So wish I could be a notion person. I think it looks so pretty. Um, I have perfectionist tendencies and I spend more time making it look pretty than actually using it. So that's the only reason why yeah. I'm not a notion person. I love notion. And if that's your thing, please run with it. For me, Airtable, again, it, it really um, streamlines things. I don't have all these like fun little widgets I can add or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's automations and things. But for me, it kind of combines two worlds here is that it allows you, people are very very um, comfortable with spreadsheets in some capacity. You've yeah. used them in your business. Mm-hmm. You've used them in life, school, whatever. Um, so Airtable combines the functionality of having spreadsheet-style databases while also allowing the flexibility for like viewing. Um, so I can create custom fields that allows me to see only my Instagram content for the month of May. Or I can look at it in a gallery view of like, here's all the TikToks that are going out. So you're allowed to customize And there's zaps and automations and things like that that you can tap into. But it is such a collection of information while also playing friendly with workflows and systems. Um, So that's why I prefer Airtable. But again, you can build anything that you want when it comes to Notion, Tana, Trello. Yep. (laughs) Of course. Airtable should sponsor us now, basically. I think that's that that was a great ad. Fantastic. That's one paid partnership I've never gotten. I've tried. (laughs) Ah, you tried, yeah? So that's, okay, so that's something ahead. So that's something coming up. Um, All right, I want to finish up with uh, maybe some snippet of advice. Let's say I'm a business owner uh, starting, I want to start my creative journey, but I don't have time. I have only, let's say, an hour a day or two hours per day, not even even two. What do I focus on and where do I focus my attention? Yes, so if you're ready to start on your content creation journey, You need to first, we kind of already talked about it in this episode, is really tap into what inspires you, what you're not going to get sick of creating. You like photos, figure out a way to take five photos in that hour, Um, you know, maybe even an hour the next day, write the captions the next day. Maybe the day after that, you schedule it out or at least get it in your phone somewhere. So the way you need to approach it is figure out what's not only fun, but it's also sustainable for you. Um, So for me, it is very hard for me to be consistent with Instagram stories. So I'm trying to find ways of making that a little more sustainable for me. Can I outsource a portion of it? Can I uh, batch create some of it? Like figure out what works for you and then lean into that and figure out a way to make it sustainable in the long term. Step by step. Yes. <laughs> and one day you're going to be sponsored by Airtable. Hopefully. Thank you, Amber, so much. It's been a, a huge pleasure and a huge bomb of knowledge, basically. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. And uh, I'll see you around. Thanks. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you will build your own successful career like Amber did. And if you're not sure yet how, join for the next episode of Careers to Plato. Take care.
your decision to go to YouTube, um, is it as every creator's decision to be more, to give more longevity? Longe- longevity. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yep. <laughs> Editor, do your job, cut it out. Uh, to give more, lin- <laughs> what was the word? Can you tell me one more time? Longevity. 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 <laughs> so, uh, about YouTube. Is it going to Europe? Is it a decision to give more length? <laughs> it's going to be the hardest word to say right now. Is it, uh, you can always just go with. I'm going to go around long, it. I was long, not going to mention it yeah. at all. Yeah, longer, yeah. longer content. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, blooper reels are always popular. So fantastic. Always. This will be great. I, I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to ask about Europe. Great. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. You had great questions. Oh, good that I didn't stop recording. <laughs> I'm oh. going to have it. <laughs> you're like, okay, got to send that to got the it. editor. <laughs> got the snippet. Got the snippet out of okay, it. That, you're, you're testimonial. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. 